Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. We're making advanced horsemanship accessible, sharing down-to-earth training advice and practical exercises with horsemen dedicated to accomplishing their goals. Whether you're hitting the trails for fun, training a project horse at home, or refining maneuvers for reining or cowhorse competition, we'll help you take your horsemanship to the next level. Thank you for joining us. This is the Project Horse Podcast. My name is Jake Lundahl, joined here with my brother Luke. Today we're going to be breaking down a few different issues. We're going to have a groundwork question to start with, talking about what to do when you're trying to desensitize a horse that's being extremely pushy, disrespectful, running over the top of you, shoving into you, etc. Then we're going to go into a problem that a lot of people encounter, especially riding with a group on the trail. You know, if you go trail riding, you're trying to get some training done or for whatever reason, you just want to hang back from the group a little bit as they continue on, and the horse starts to get real buddy sour, real anxious, wants to jig, trot, you know, just kind of run off with you, or even if they don't try to run back up to their buddies, they start power walking along, like up toing it up there, bobbing their head and just walking as fast as they physically can without actually breaking into a trot. How to fix those types of things what to do about it. And then finally, we're going to continue our advanced Horsemanship 101 segment. We've been talking about stopping up to this point. Luke's going to break down the different threads that we've been bringing together and building up to this point and a new exercise, the cigar drill, to introduce now to your horses and kind of the timeline as far as the development goes on all these things. Let's get into the groundwork first off. So I picked up this question off Facebook from one of the horse groups that I follow. And this lady was talking about her horse. She's been trying to do some groundwork with him. Specifically, she's been trying to desensitize this horse because he's real spooky and reactive, at least on the surface. And we'll get into that. But the main point of it was that this horse is just pushing into her and mowing her over. Anytime she tries to get in close and desensitize, doesn't matter with a bag, flag, stick and string, rope, whatever. The moment she starts applying that pressure to desensitize, the horse just throws his head up and just bashes right into her, just pushes into her personal space. And um, I don't know if it's quite, you know, body slamming her like a hockey player checking another guy up against the glass, but it sounds like it's about to get to that level. The essence of her question was what to do in that situation. And in some of the other information she gave, well, she did talk about how this horse had been getting away with this for a while. But she also kind of stumbled on the answer without even realizing it. She said that when the horse did that, she used her training stick aggressively to drive the horse backward and away from her and out of her personal space. And of the 30-some-odd comments she got in response, two people zeroed in on the fact that, yes, that was the right intuition. Drive that thing out of your space. Get him off of you. Get him out of your top pocket. And then put his feet to work. Don't worry about the desensitizing right now. That is not your main priority. This horse is very typical of what we call a lack of respect issue disguised as fear. Basically, this thing's getting pissy and irritated when you go to start desensitizing. You start applying that pressure with rhythm, with the rope, stick, string, bag, whatever you're using. The horse just doesn't want to deal with it. And they start moving their feet around. They start shoving into you because ultimately they're disrespectful. And they just want to get out of the situation. They just want to make you stop doing whatever you're doing. They're not really afraid of 
whatever you're desensitizing with, whatever training tool you have, they just want you to stop it. And the quickest way to that to do that is to run over the top of you, or so it would seem. So whether it truly is out of fear and the horse is trying to jump in your top pocket, or it's a lack of respect like in this case where the horse is just barging into you, first priority, drive this thing out of your personal space. Get a safe distance away. Get him off of you. He's clinging to you like a bad smell. Drive his feet away and then figure out how to engage his feet. Start getting his respect on the ground with sensitizing exercises, meaning you apply pressure, he moves his feet forwards, backwards, left, right, backing, you know, any groundwork exercises that you can do to engage his feet, get him moving, get him hustling. That should be your first and ultimate priority right now. Don't worry about the desensitizing until you've gotten some respect established, until you've gotten some control of his feet. Right. This horse is very sneakily disguising its lack of respect as just blatant um, spookiness. The, the fact that the horse is running into her, it's, it is a learned behavior, obviously, that she alluded to. But the fact that it's running into her has nothing to do with it being scared of, say, spanking the ground with a whip or something like that. It has everything to do with it feels pressure. It doesn't know how to handle that pressure, so it throws a little bit of a fit. And then it runs over the person applying the pressure because the person applying the pressure has two options. They can either choose to live or they can choose to keep spanking the ground. And most of the time, they're going to choose live. And the horse has learned, oh, if I throw my sucker in the dirt and have a huge throwdown fit, I don't have to put up with this uncomfortable pressure. And so it really has nothing to do with a desensitizing problem, and it has everything to do with a respect problem. And so this particular horse, I would go, you know, say two weeks without even bothering to desensitize this horse. Now, when I say that, what I would do is say I'm I'm lunging the horse or yielding his hindquarters or something like that, backing the horse up, and I get the response that I'm looking for, I will stop, let the horse just sit there and face me and soak on what we just did, and I'll kind of turn my body away from him, but make sure that they're out of my space, at least 10 feet away from me. And it can just stand there and just soak and just stand there and be quiet on its own time while I just stand at the end of my rope with kind of a passive body language about me, not looking directly at the horse. And that's good enough. And then what, once we've sat there for, say, 30 seconds to a minute, then we'll go back and we'll either continue the exercise or do something new. And for, say, two weeks, that's all it gets for, quote-unquote, desensitizing. Everything else I'm going to do is sensitizing, getting this horse to move off of pressure, because I guarantee that when you try to get this horse to move off of pressure, say, lunge or back or yield his hindquarters, it, that same fit is going to appear. You know, I've seen horses that you try to yield their hindquarters and they just try to keep stepping on you with their front end and they like push into you with their shoulder rather than trying to move their hindquarters, you know, or you try to lunge the horse and they try to give you the top gun flyby buzz the tower as they run forward, you know, past you. The same problems that she's experiencing, the desensitizing are going to come out in a bigger way in the sensitizing exercises, because now you're making it do something and hustle and there's hard work there involved. And so the attitude is going to come out, but you're going to be able to get rid of it as well through that. And then when you come back to your desensitizing, it's going to have a new outlook on life, a new respect for you. And so getting your hand up there and blocking his front end is going to mean a lot more than it did now. So backing is going to be your best friend with this particular horse. Um, backing 
yielding those horses four quarters on the ground or front around the rear or lunging. Those are going to be probably your three top exercises, but backing especially on the ground. Get this thing out of your space and backing away from you and having some humility about itself. And when you do that, you're going to find that, say, in two weeks' time, you start to desensitize the horse. And again, it as once you begin the desensitizing like you did before, it may kind of, you know, audible back to what it thought it could do previously. But now, say I'm spanking the ground and the horse tries to push into me again and run on top of me and get me to quit applying the pressure. I'm going to quit doing the desensitizing that I was doing, fix the respect issue, either drive this thing out of my space, moving its front end away with the stick, or driving it backwards with the stick, and then hustling it, putting its feet to work, either in a backup or driving its front end around, then letting it sit there and going right back to the desensitizing that I was doing. I'm not going to try and maintain the desensitizing while bumping his head away on a horse like this, because all they can, all they need to do is throw their head up in the air block you with their neck, and just continue to push right on top of you. I'm going to get that stick up there, quit the desensitizing, fix the respect issue, then go back to my desensitizing, and go. Just I may have to go back and forth like four or five times. But all I'm going to worry about, really, is the respect issue. And once that horse respects me, then the desensitizing, a lot of that will take care of itself. You know, this horse is a very tricky one, and it's very dishonest about what seems to be the problem. It seems to have a desensitizing issue, but really, it just has a, I can't handle pressure issue, and I have a really bad attitude about it, and I've been taught to run over the top of you to avoid pressure. I mean, just moving the stick in the air is creating pressure. You don't have to touch the horse or whip the horse to create pressure. Just whipping the ground, that creates like a invisible pressure field, if you want to call that. It's like like little radio waves coming off of the stick towards the horse. They, they feel that. They, they feed off of that. And so it, this horse just has a, I'm not respectful, and I don't know how to handle pressure issue. And the main thing that gives that away is that this has been a chronic thing. And what she's doing desensitizing-wise is not even that disruptive. It's not like she's out there with a bunch of plastic bags going absolutely nuts with pool noodles and everything else. She's just moving the stick and string or the rope and this thing is immediately charging in because it knows if it plows into her personal space, she quits applying that pressure that it doesn't like. And it's kind of a learned behavior now. It's not the most common problem, but we have seen a lot of horses this way. Although a good rule of thumb and a good takeaway from this situation is that no matter if it is a truly lack of respect issue, like in this case, or if it honestly is a fear issue, that's a very common tendency that horses have is They want to jump in your top pocket. They're feeling uncomfortable. They're worried about something. They want to jump on top of you. And your immediate priority when that should happen, regardless of what caused it, is get that horse out of your personal space. I'm going to leave it up to your imagination as to how to use the stick and how aggressive you need to be. Basically, as aggressive as necessary to get that horse off of you because it's a safety issue at that point. And as Luke pointed out, doesn't matter you're desensitizing or not, if that horse comes into your personal space, tries to come up over the top of you, I'm going to immediately quit the desensitizing I'm doing and focus on that lack of respect for my personal space issue. So with this horse in particular, though, going back to that, just to cap this off, we need to kill the root system of the problem, which is the lack of respect and the lack of control of the feet that this lady has with this horse on the ground. We need to fix that issue first the desensitizing will take care of itself.
Let's talk about the other issue I wanted to get into, which is on the trail, horses being herd-bound or kind of buddy-sour, even if they're not dramatically trying to run up and group up with their with their buddies on the trail. A lot of horses, you know, you start kind of leaving the group behind or you go do your own thing. Maybe you just want to hang back behind your friends a little ways. And the horse starts, you know, if they're not jigging or just overtly trying to rush up there and be buddy sour, a lot of horses will sit there and power walk as if they're, you know, they're walking around at the mall in their yoga pants getting some cardio in. Like that's the kind of power walking, head bobbing, just can't wait to get up there, lottery ticket winner type attitude that they have. And, you know, no matter how bad it is, it's all the same psychology that's causing it. Now, this is something that I've, I've tried to get across to a lot of clients who they want to go trail ride and just relax. To them, it's recreational, and I totally understand that. But you also have to realize, especially if it's a young horse that doesn't have a lot of experience on the trail, just like with everything else we do with horses, doesn't matter if you're showing, doesn't matter what you do, you need to create mental patterns that are positive, that enable your success. So it's not uncommon, even if a horse is riding really well at home, that if you take them away from home or, you know, go in a different environment, go out on a group trail ride, they'll start showing these herd-bound tendencies just because they're in a new place and they want to group up with the other horses. That's just their instinct. So you might have to set up several rides in a row where you can work on this issue if it becomes a major ordeal, you know? You might have to try to work with your friends or people you know that you can ride with to set up situations where you can practice riding successfully on the trail, literally. So how do we correct this? Bottom line, you need to divorce that horse from the group. You need to make that group of horses or maybe his one trail buddy that he really wants to snuggle up with, you need to make being over there hard work, uncomfortable, etc. Staying back away from the group, you need to make that be the comfortable rest area, you know, where things are positive, there's no pressure. With the group or where the horse wants to be, work, hustle, move your feet, discomfort. Away from the group, relax, leave you alone, good feelings all around. Now that sounds simple in theory, but it takes effort. And not only that, it often takes several repetitions of this process of going up and either circling the other horses, loping in and out or around the group, doing serpentines through the group. One horse in particular, maybe that the horse is really buddy sour to, you chase each other's tail, circle, turn, circle, turn, hustle, hustle, move your feet. Come on, let's go. And then rest him away. Bring him back to the group. Hustle, hustle, move, 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 circle, turn, circle, turn, rest him away. Repeat, like rinse and repeat multiple times. It usually takes more than once. Oh, absolutely. And I would say not only more than once that, that session, but the next day, if it's a multiple day trail ride, you're going to have to do it again. That's just the way that they're, they're wired to be herd animals and they're wired to try to work their way up to the front. So well, you, sometimes you get the rare horse that just doesn't care. But as a general rule, they all are like in this foot race. And so it's going to be something that you have to have some consistency. And you can't just say, oh, I did it twice. And he's still power walking. You know, no, it's going to take a, a little, some back and forth until you firmly establish that, okay, next your buddies is not the good place to be. That's the workplace to be. Whether I serpentine you in and out or circle around horses or, or whatever. And, you know, let's say... We hear all the time too. Well, we we do some trail riding and it's real rocky and the trails are really thin. I can't do much, you know, when we're out trail riding. Okay, 
Well, what about at base camp when people have their horses picketed or in their little pens? Do it there then. Do the same thing. Um, instead of going in with them and cranking up the campfire, stay back for, you know, another 30 minutes to an hour and, and work on hustling your horse around the pens or around the picket line, resting away. Hustling around the picket line or the pens, resting away. And do that a couple more times, you know, when you get back to the base camp. Like, make use of your surroundings and, and what you have to deal with. Yeah, just try to find an area that is usable. I know one place in particular that we ride around here, there's kind of some pens and a kind of a picket area and a campsite where everyone keeps their horses. It's nice and flat. They also have an obstacle course area. And so it's so nice when we get back from the ride, I can use that flat space that's right by the camp where all the other horses are. So the horse is already drawn to it. And I love instilling the fact that, no, just because you're back with your friends or back at camp doesn't mean I get off immediately and you get to go, you know, make a beeline for the pen to get grain, hay, and water. I'm hustling his feet around the other horse's pens. I'm loping through the obstacle course. You know, I'm working, I'm training. Then I'll get off when I feel that he's given me the respect and attention I need. But I'll use that as a training opportunity. And a lot of people don't like hearing that it's going to take some consistency and work to get through this issue. But here's the good news. Once you get through it, you've now established a mental habit that every time you leave home and go on a ride like this, you're rarely going to run into that same super sour herdbound behavior. And if it does even come up a little bit, just by hustling and redirecting that horse's feet, the light bulb clicks on of, oh, I remember how this goes. And that horse will settle back down and come to you because he knows what the consequences are if he just takes that behavior to the next level. Exactly. And now in doing this, it's important that you do this exercise to plant the seed and and teach this horse that, okay, hustling up to your buddies is not exactly a good thing for you to do. Now, it's important that you let the horse get up there. You don't try to hold him back or anything like that. Like, let him ramble his way on up there so he knows that he was the one that was responsible for putting him in that situation in the first place. There was no one else telling him to go anywhere else or trying to hold him back. No, he made that conscious decision on his own. Now, in saying that, it's absolutely important that that's your number one go-to, is first to teach the horse that with your buddies is where the work is. Away from it is where the, the rest and the relaxation is. But sometimes... In doing that, it's not a cure-all. It's not, it's not a, okay, this fixes everything. And sometimes you have to do a little extra along the trail to completely eradicate that power walking. You can supplement things by, I kind of look at it, and I've heard other trainers describe it this way. It's like a video game where there's obstacles and challenges in front of your character as you progress through the level. That's kind of the way that you, you think about it. It's like you're getting in the horse's way constantly. Instead of letting him just kind of power walk and ramble down the trail, you're constantly getting in his way, bending him around, you know, doing a little bend and draw, back him up, turn him, pull him around on your foot nice and soft. The key being, you're getting in his way, you're redirecting his feet, not necessarily super aggressively, but just enough to get his attention on you, get in his way, make him consciously accept that pressure and that bind that you're putting him in. And the key word is you're not going to release that pressure or let him walk out on the loose rein again until he comes back to you, meaning that there's a change in his feet, he slows down, he softens to your hands, he responds to your legs, and he adopts a submissive feel. 
you know, if he's just urging and straining to get out of that, it becomes a judgment call at that point. Because if you haven't done enough work of kind of divorcing him from the group or his buddies up ahead, what we're talking about right now, this supplement of kind of getting in his way, redirecting his feet a little bit, etc., that will actually just make him more agitated if you haven't kind of gotten a foot in the door by doing what we talked about earlier, about working him in the group, resting away. But if you've done your job on that end, you can further supplement that and teach really good habits and behaviors on the trail, showing the horse that at any time I can pick up on you and take you a new direction or redirect you or pull you around. And I need you to immediately accept that with softness and with a submissive attitude. Again, just instilling and reinforcing good mental habits on the trail. All right, so let's continue our Advanced Horsemanship 101 segment. So what I want to do now is add a new rundown exercise to what we already talked about last podcast, which was running the horse down 30, 40 feet from the fence, breaking them down to the jog, jogging three, four circles once we got to the fence, and then heading back and building our speed as we go. So the new rundown exercise is, I've heard it called many different things. I guess the best picture to, to paint is call it the cigar drill which is we're going to use the diagonals again, and we're going to run the horse down toward the corner, but a little offset of the corner, like we're running the horse across the long end of the arena. So if I'm on, to try to paint this mental picture here, let's say you're looking down onto a rectangle arena shape from above, okay? So we're going to say that the lower left-hand corner is where we're starting our rundown from. Okay, and we're going to run to the upper right-hand corner of our arena. But I'm going to make my mark that I run the horse to, say, 15 feet to the right of that corner. Okay, so that gives me a better angle to round this corner when I run the horse down. Because what we're going to do, the, the goal of this exercise is to run the horse down the arena, round the corner, maintain my speed in a large circle, Soften the horse up, and once the horse softens, slow him back down to the normal lope, his normal speed loping, like when I'm circling, and then get back to my corner and do it again. Okay, so we make like a cigar shape, roughly, in, in a way. Okay, and what this is going to do is start introducing softening the horse up with speed. So I'm going to run him down. I've got my mark, say, 15 feet to the right of my corner. So I have enough room to make a kind of gentle arc onto my circle. I'm, so I'm going to build my speed going down the arena, no faster at this point than what we did already previously in our last rundown exercise. As I get to the corner, I'm going to steer the horse slightly. I'm trying to do as little touching his face right now as possible. I'm going to let him round the corner, and then I'm going to pick up, and I'm going to soften him up on a big circle down at that end. Big enough that he's not slipping or diving his shoulder or having trouble maintaining that speed. I'm not going to do a half the arena size circle, like maybe I would normally do circling, but I'm going to do a fairly large circle. And I'm going to maintain whatever speed I had when I ran down the arena. Okay, and I'm going to pick up and soften him up vertically, making him sure he's looking in just a tad on my circle. When the horse softens and comes back to me, I'm going to let him slow down at the lope, and then I'm going to get back to my corner, and I'm going to start it again. I'm just looking for a starting point with this exercise. When I, when I do it initially, 
I'm not going to expect the level of softness that I'm getting when I'm doing my circling exercises normally. Okay, we've added speed, so we've changed the dimensions. This is the first time we've softened a horse up at speed. So I'm just looking for a little give, a little try, let him slow down. Wherever I am on my circle, let's say I'm right at my corner when he softens. I'm just going to lope around one more time, lope a circle, get back to my corner and reset. If I'm at the top of my circle, opposite the corner that, that uh, I ran to, then I'm just going to continue around on that arc until I get back to my corner and then head back down the opposite end of the arena to that lower left-hand corner, you know, when we're looking at it from above. So once we get back to our corner, we're going to build our speed and do the same thing again. Running him down, picking our mark just off the corner of the arena, say 15, maybe 20 feet, depending on the size of your arena and how tight and sharp the turn would be. Because I'm trying not to make it a sharp jolt or a dart off as we go into our circle. I want everything to flow smoothly, okay? So I wouldn't introduce this exercise until I've done, say, two to three weeks. Depending on your horse, maybe I'll do a whole month when I work on my rundowns of slowing him down 30, 40 feet from the fence, jogging my circles when I get to the fence to build his confidence. Now, once I've built his confidence and I've taught him that he's running to a relaxation, then I will introduce this cigar drill for my rundowns, okay? And at this point that we've added this new exercise, now it becomes a balancing act between when we stop him and when we actually do our rundowns. So our ride will have two components. We've got our normal part of our ride, which is our circling and our spins and our lead changes and that normal that are just our normal stuff. And then we've got our stopping portion of the ride, which is, do I actually stop him today? Or do I just work on my rundowns today? Stopping a horse shortens him mentally. It gets him to where he's like, oh, I know what's coming. It's a stop, so I'm not going to run really hard because I know a stop is coming, right? Lengthening a horse mentally is, oh, okay, we're just going to run all the way to the fence so I can just build speed freely and head off because I know we're just going to round the corner and and uh, keep that speed and and you'll soften me up or whatever drill you may be doing. So it's a balancing act now of reading your horse and customizing your stopping program to what he needs. And now this is going to be over the course now of several months before we actually introduce fencing the horse to him. I like to, to wait on that a bit until I've really built this horse's confidence at the lope, doing these two rundown exercises and the stopping that we've done at this point, building the speed and stopping him. Because I feel the fencing is a bit of a curveball that the horse needs to be really confident in these previous exercises and mentally mature enough to handle. If you throw it at them too quick, I think you wreck their confidence and then you end up with more troubles to work through than you would have if you had just held off for a bit and let these other things kind of develop and make it easier for you in the long run. So we've got several months now of balancing between, okay, do I need to run this horse or do I need to stop this horse? And that all depends. I've seen some people that stop their horse or work on maneuvers like this, the rundown or the stop, every day of the week. I've seen some people that just do it three, four days out of a week. I think that stopping the horse two times a week is max. I've seen some people that try to do it four days a week, um, but I think it kind of sours them and burns them out on the maneuver as a whole. So I think you do two days of stopping a week is your max. And for your rundowns, I think you work on them one to three days a week. It sounds, don't take this out of context, but in a way, what I'm trying to say is you can't work on your rundowns too much. In a way, you can't really sour a horse on your rundowns because they get to go somewhere. They get to build some speed and kind of free themselves up and blow the cobwebs out of their system. 
So if I did it three times a week, I wouldn't really sour, I wouldn't run the risk of souring him to that specific maneuver until you get to fencing. And once you get to fencing a horse, you can sour your horse on your rundowns. But what we're doing right now, no, it's almost kind of frees them up and, and puts them in a better place mentally. Okay, so I just need to tailor my program to what he needs. For every bit of stopping that I do, I want to balance that theoretically with a little bit of rundown to lengthen him back up mentally. So if I have a really cold-blooded lazy horse, I may do a day of rundowns to prepare him. Then I may do a day or two of stopping in a row. I don't like to do a day of rundowns, a day of stopping, a day of rundowns, a day of stopping. You're not going to get much benefit from that, especially with the stopping. It's not a maneuver that they just do naturally. You have to improve it, and they need to practice it with repetition. Yes, natural talent plays a role, for sure. But once that's established, you have to practice this maneuver with consistency in order to get them to, to do it well. So with that lazy horse, to get that consistency in my stops, but also lengthen him out and get him going somewhere. I may do a day of rundowns to prepare him, two days of stopping, and then I may finish off my week with my rundowns. So the last thing that he remembers from that week of riding was going somewhere, hustling, you know, our rundowns. If I have a more forward, hot-blooded type of a horse that likes to go, I may do a day of rundowns to kind of prepare him, and my rundowns may be running him, breaking him down to the trot, and running him to a relaxed point, and then I may finish off my week with two days of stopping. So the last thing he remembers from our rides that week, you know, when, when he goes to his day off and then we start up again, the last thing he remembered from last week was stopping, thinking, come back to me, thinking about, you know, shortening him mentally. And so that'll set me up better for the next week. So I just have to now going forward, this is where it gets a bit tricky. We've got now several months where we're just working on either running him across the arena, building our speed and saying, whoa. Or we're balancing that with either one of our two stopping drills that we've now gone over. And so you have to customize and tailor that to your horse and to what they need. As far as building speed now in our stops, we're going to start bumping that up. But we're going to use our rundowns to prepare him for that speed buildup when we go to do it. So if I want to build my horse up from 25 miles an hour in my stops to 27 I'm going to first address it in my rundowns. So I'm going to build my speed to 25, then bump him up to 27. When we get to the end of the arena, break him down to the jog, jog our three circles. So we're running him, we're pushing him out of his comfort zone by taking him to a new speed, but then we bring him down to a relaxing pace that he can handle and can relax. And then I'll build up speed across the arena again. So I firmly establish my 27 miles an hour now on my actual rundown maneuver and get him relaxed. Then I come back over to my stop and I bump that up and catch it up. It's like you push the rundown ahead now and then I catch up my stops by building my speed to 27 now and then I'll stop him at 27 miles an hour. And so over this course of the several months, you're not just staying stagnant and idle. We're going to be improving the horse by bumping up one, bumping up the other, bumping up our rundown, bumping up our stops, bumping up our rundown, bumping up our stops. And when we do that with consistency and with, with a purpose, when we get to our fencing, we're going to have a great product that's going to prepare the horse to handle that very well, okay? And as far as I wanted to make this last point before we wrap up, which is running the horse to a stop, the importance of building speed to the stop, to enhance the stop. Um, the best way I've heard this explained to me when I first learned this was as a, like a motorboat, the motorboat analogy or a speedboat. Okay, when that boat is accelerating across the water, the nose of that boat is raising up off of the water. 
when someone takes the throttle off, the nose immediately dives down towards the water, right? Well, it's the same thing with the stopping. I want that horse to be building speed gradually up to that stop. So it's almost like the nose or the front end of that horse is raising up off of the arena, theoretically. And in doing that, it creates a pocket for that horse's hindquarters to get underneath of him and through for that stop. Okay, but if you have that horse running just level, maintaining a speed, that nose isn't moving anywhere, or even worse, if you're letting that horse slow down when it gets close to the stop and the nose is dropping, then in that moment, he has to like completely reverse his body in order to try and stop. And as a general rule, that's just not going to happen. So we have to use our rundowns and adding speed in that to then come back to our stopping exercise and be able to run him, build speed to that stop, and set him up so that when we do say, whoa, that front end is off the ground, you know, metaphorically, and he can sit down with his hind end and get underneath of himself and push and do a correct stop. Thank you for listening to the Project Horse Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating to help more horsemen like you find our content. You can also check out the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. There you can message us with any questions or training topics you want covered on the show. You can also learn about our training program, clinics, lessons, and the consulting we do for horse owners across the United States and abroad. Thanks again for listening. 